This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Middleton finding some space. Jump shot is good. Middleton ties the game. He's got 32. Keep it simple. It's off of the screen and roll of Giannis and Middleton. Put the ball in the hands of your two best players and let them make the decision. Under two minutes to play. We're all tied here in game four. This is BetQL Daily with the Joes. Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio. Joe O is here. Cody Decker sitting in for Joe G at Decker six on Twitter. We appreciate Cody for doing that today. And we're watching the open championship round number two out of the gates. Cody Jordan Spieth is charging back to back birdies to start things off, cutting into Morikawa's lead. He is now just two shots back with 16 holes to go. He might be our leader at the end of the day. Wouldn't be surprising. I mean, he's he's often the safe bet in this market of parody and, and modern golf these days. And then you mentioned Mickelson still not having a good go. Oh, man, where's where's Phil at? I got to go down to 152. Yeah, Phil another rough day. He's 12 over par. So he's done. He's done. Maybe he's going to hang around and bet on everything. Playing, party. He's playing a game. He's playing a game that I played yesterday. That's brutal. <laughs> yes it is yes it is uh joe ostrowski cody decker here on betql daily weekdays 9 a.m to noon and we want to bring in from ftnbets.com jill gallant ftnbets.com make sure you are following him on twitter uh jill first off did i get it right absolutely i thought you were awesome on that one perfect i i had to practice that one a lot you can follow him on twitter at G-Dog 5000, at G-Dog 5000. Let's start with the NBA playoffs. How have they been treating you? They will wrap eventually, but uh, which markets have you been attacking? Side, total, props, all of the above? Yeah, I think we've been having a little bit of trouble trying to do the uh, the underdog strategy that I normally employ for maybe some other sports like baseball and even NCAA tournaments. So I've been really riding some player props, and honestly, I've been paying the bills off of Pat Connaughton and Cameron Johnson. They're three-point props. I have just been killing it right now i don't really have a way to be humble on this i i just especially with the finals because the the lines that they keep setting for the three-point props for both pat content and cam johnson are set at one and a half and they're always usually minus 110 maybe minus 120 at worst but pat content has hit at least two three-pointers in all four finals games and pat uh, pardon me uh, cam johnson he's done it in uh three of the four games so far and one of the reasons why i was going with these guys so much is because of where those shots are coming from uh, they generally, uh, if you look at their entire shot chart, just for the entire playoffs, uh, Cam Johnson is about 68% for all of his shots coming from behind the arc. And Pat Connaughton is closer to about 80% uh, for all his shots coming from behind the arc. And they're hit, hitting at a good pace too. Like right now, Cam Johnson's at about 45% uh, 
Uh, Pat Connaughton's around 38%. So for me, it was just about the opportunity and the fact that they're not adjusting these lines and uh, maybe putting it to over two and a half or, you know, maybe adjusting with the fact with the home and away splits. It's just been a cash cow for me. So that's kind of where I've been going right now for the finals. Do you see any other any other prop bets that you think might come into play going forward? I do. Uh, I think it's going to probably end up being a big Chris Paul, Devin Booker prop night uh, in game five, uh, just because of the narratives and, uh, you know, what we've seen through four, uh, four games. And just, I know it's not really a sharp angle here, but the home and away splits are just so apparent, uh, you know, for all the stats, uh, you know, with how the Bucks have performed on the road compared to the Suns, you know, and just how good the Suns have looked at home, especially Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So I would probably be looking at those points props right now. When I saw this morning, it was uh, around 24 and a half, I believe, for Booker. Um, I think I saw 19 and a half for Paul. I'd be looking at over. I think they're both going to have 20 points tonight. I think you're going to see a little bit of a, a legacy correction game for Chris Paul tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. It seems like after uh, all the turnovers, the way it ended with that terrific Giannis steal. I mean, Giannis at the defensive end, it's amazing. Uh, with this Bucks team, throughout the regular season, they were ripped on for the defense because a year ago when they went out early, they, they were phenomenal, much better than any other team out there, and they were changing things up in the regular season, going through some issues. But so far in the playoffs, especially the NBA Finals, going up against a great defensive team in the Suns, what's really stood out is Drew Holiday, you don't know which guy you're going to get in the offensive event from night to night. But on defense, but on defense, he's really performing. And Giannis, the closing minutes in game number four, it's truly amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's going to be, a. it was legacy games, basically two, three, and four uh, for Giannis. And, you know, what we're seeing as well is that, you know, he doesn't have to put up 30 points and 20 rebounds to still impact the game. I mean, the block on Aiton is going to probably be the most overplayed replay highlight that we'll see uh, for the next, uh, maybe till the next finals until somebody has an amazing block like that. But uh, yeah, I think right now what we're seeing is just the home and away splits are just obvious. Like the Suns three-point shooting, pretty good at home, 38%. Uh, the Bucks free throw shooting really has been awful for the entire playoffs, but you saw in game three and four, they're hitting over 85%. Uh, but then when you look at the entire playoff scale, they're, you know, around, I think they're second last of all the 16 playoff teams. Uh, it drops to 67% in road games so far. You saw that in game one and two, but the Bucs have just been killing the Suns on the offensive glass. Like it's 57 to 28 through four games. Uh, they've outscored them in the paint by 46 points through four games. And unfortunately, it almost seems like the series is going to come down to the bench. Uh, the fact that like Pat Connaughton is getting 30 minutes in a finals game is almost egregious. You know, I don't really understand. Like, obviously, that you have to play who you got. I mean, you don't really want Jeff Teague or Bobby Portis out there for too long. Uh, but he is their sixth man, which is why, again, I keep going back to this three-point prop because – you know, they keep gunning on on Middleton and Antetokounmpo and uh, and just uh, you don't know which one of these three players uh, is going to be able to show up. So you're seeing these secondary players kind of come through. And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where it's going right now. You're going to see some more secondary players like a campaign or a Cam Johnson probably be the one who decides this game uh, uh, game five. You mentioned that you're expecting a le an upcoming legacy game for game five for Chris Paul. Do you think that's going to be enough to put Phoenix over the hump for game five? I do, but I don't know if it's going to be enough where they carry it over to game six. I just see too much of the 
the discrepancies here for home and away, just the way, like, again, I feel like home and away splits is just the most obvious, you know, capping uh, angle here for this, but you're really seeing it here in the finals, especially for the playoffs, but especially in this finals. Uh, so I do think Chris Paul is going to have a correction uh, here for this. I, I think that is, I've been, I've went all in pretty much on Chris Paul to win finals MVP because before the finals started, um, Phoenix was around minus 200, I believe, to win the win the finals. But Chris Paul was plus 165 to win finals MVP. So I was suggesting people, if you're going to take, if you think Phoenix is going to win the series, you take Chris Paul to win finals MVP. And then in the inverse, after game two, when Giannis was plus 500 to win finals MVP, I said, if you think the Bucs are coming back to win this, you should take him at plus 500 to win finals MVP instead of the NBA championship odds for the Bucs, which is around 375. Uh, so again, and you're seeing it now in game three and four, he just looked like a destroyer of worlds. And uh, uh, I think at this point, I think that would be the angles that I see. And again, maybe, uh, maybe I'm just kind of a Chris Paul stand. Maybe I don't know if, you, if that's what the kids say these days, but again, I just think that he is going to have a big game. And a lot of the time why I keeps going back to Chris Paul as being the finals MVP is let's say, let's say Chris Paul has 22 points, eight assists, you know, shoots 50% from the floor, but is just playing the floor general role. But Devin Booker has a big game, 35 points, maybe six threes. The writers who are voting for this, it's 11 writers every year who vote for the finals MVP. They're going to attribute Chris Paul as the reason why Devin Booker got in those positions. It's just been going on this year. The narrative is such a big thing in play here for the finals MVP. So that's kind of where I've been telling my followers and listeners uh, or readers of where to kind of put their money at for finals MVP odds. Yeah, I, I'm with you. With uh, Joe Gallant, FTNBets.com. It was funny. Uh, after game four, Booker had the big bounce back. He didn't have anybody uh, rolling with him. It was just Booker by himself out there. But a, a lot of what I was seeing was, oh, well, now if the Suns win, it's definitely going to Booker. No, it's not. He had his big game in a loss. And if the Suns are going to win the championship, they're going to need the really, really good Chris Paul to turn back the clock a little bit. And, and he's going to go back to what we saw earlier in the playoffs, 100%, which I do see happening. So I think the odds makers have it right. You have Giannis as the favorite. He's the best player in the series. There is an outside chance that this goes seven. Giannis could win regardless. I don't think it happens, but there is that outside chance. So I understand why he's the favorite. And Paul should be the second favorite. You can put Booker in the mix, but I don't see it. He's, he's going to need another 40-plus point game at least. In a win. In a win, yeah, too. In a win. And, 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 and that's the thing for me is that I, I just look at it as just kind of – you think about who's voting for this. A lot of the time it's these national writers for NBA – um, you know, they've been following Chris Paul his entire career. You know, I don't want to say that they won't attribute previous playoff games uh, prior to the finals as a reason of why he would win it, but you can't ignore that stuff. Plus, you can't ignore game one and game two. I think this is the one thing that I was getting frustrated with yesterday is that people just look at game four and they're like, okay, well, Chris Paul's done. And it's like, well, did you watch great game one and game two? He was the, like, I know that we can, you know, uh, pick pick nits here of whether or not he was the best player on the floor in game two, but they won. Like that's the reality. And then Giannis, even though he had that 20 point third, uh, third quarter and was still fantastic on the floor. The fact remains his team lost just like Booker did in game four. So that's kind of where I'm going with that right now. I do. I do agree with you, Joe, that I do think it should be fairly close between Chris Paul and Devin Booker going forward. But again, I just think that if it's, it's osmosis, if Chris Paul is having a good game, more than likely it's Booker's going to have a good game and they're going to, and they correlate. You know, looking at, you mentioned it multiple times, the home and away splits. What is it about this series that is that completely creating this home and away split the way it is, that it's just so obvious? I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. And 
I think a lot of it is just the crowds getting bigger. I think we look at the start of the season and even just kind of as we were starting in the playoffs, uh, you know, you were that was kind of the story is like, oh, this team is allowing 50% of fans or, you know, 60% or whatever. And I mean, Arizona is probably a little more liberal when it comes to that kind of stuff than other states. But but the fact that it's a full house and just, you know, the I don't want to say it's a mind game, but, you know, you miss that free throw when and, you know, you're getting laughed at or, you know, you're getting the count against you, those kinds of things. You know, you're just kind of seeing that from Giannis and even just the Bucks, where maybe they're just not being as effective and just being as assertive as they would on the road as compared to home when you have uh, your home fans cheering you on. I know, again, that sounds almost like uh, how can you even attribute that or even just kind of how simplify uh, that is. Uh, but unfortunately, that's kind of the way it is right now with the way I've seen it. It's just the bigger the crowds, it seems like the road teams are wilting in that scenario. All right, Joe, we got your NBA thoughts for game number five coming up tomorrow. But what about Major League Baseball today? We thought uh, they would return last night. That did not happen, of course, with the Yankees and Red Sox scenarios. But uh, what do you think about today? We have 17 games on the docket. <laughs> uh, what do you like? Yeah, I, I put in uh, two bets early this morning. And uh, I think the first one, again, I, I was listening to you guys just before we started. And I know that we, we were talking about the White Sox and Astros. And I personally, I like the White Sox in this spot. I like their money line as a home dog. Uh, the fact that, you know, the White Sox are 31 and 14 at home, like I think we can't just overlook that of how good of a home team they are. It's the best record in Major League Baseball for a home team. Top three offense in 2021 at guaranteed right field. They've been crushing right-hand pitching at home. Now, Lance McCullers is obviously might be an exception to that rule. He's so good this year. But the fact that they're ranking sixth in batting average, fifth in RBI, fourth in runs, eighth in total walks at home, uh, to me, it, it's just – I think this is a great spot where you're getting a really good team as a home dog in a spot against a team that, again, it is a little bit of a, a gamble because you are playing against a team that is the number one offense in baseball. And plus, Dylan Cease, this is one thing that I was actually really shocked at looking at his splits. I don't know if you guys looked at his splits recently, but against home at home, he's got like a 1.71 ERA uh, or pardon me, 1.81 ERA. He's got 57 strikeouts and 47 innings. You know, opposing hitters are hitting 181 against him. Uh, and he's one of the better underdog pitchers this year uh, when the Chicago White Sox have been tabbed in that spot. So uh, that's kind of one of the bets that I was looking at is the White Sox as a home dog. Now, from a player prop standpoint, I'm going to ride the hot hand. I'm going with Robbie Ray here today. I think he's going to have nine strikeouts or more against the Rangers. Um, now, he's had nine or more strikeouts in five of his last eight games. Uh, the Rangers, they rank 24th in row games for total strikeouts. And then I was just kind of looking at recent history. Like, since the start of June, Ray has just been – I mean, I, he's the ace of the Blue Jays at this point over Ryu, in my opinion. But uh, one of the things that I like about him is how deep he's going into games, which gives you more opportunity to get those strikeouts. So he's going six innings deep uh, in seven of his last eight starts. Um, and then just kind of just looking at the matchup here, the Rangers – you know, they're, they're not a really a great team. They're not really a great offensive team. I just think this is a good spot. Plus the fact that I'm a, I'm a moth to the flame when it comes to plus money bets and underdog bets, this is a plus 110 odds. So immediately that stood out to me as like, all right, I have to jump on this. So those are the two main bets for baseball that I'm going to be riding with today. I really like your call on the Robbie Ray pick. I agree with you. I do think he is the ace of that staff over Ryu right now. Great call on that. The only thing that concerns me about the White Sox pick, only thing, is you mentioned the offense being a top five offense. They are a little banged up right now. Losing Grandall right now mm -hmm. is no small feat. And that is the one thing that swayed me the other way. 
I agree. And again, it, 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 I, I kind of wanted to preface that it is a little bit of a gamble, right? Like, again, you can't always, uh, I feel like a lot of the time what I was doing at the start of the season is I, and I'm not sure if any of your listeners knew this, but I was just basically blindly betting every underdog on the board for the first like six <laughs> weeks. And no joke, I made probably 26 units off of that, just kind of just because underdogs were crushing it in the first six weeks of the season. And then after that, you know, regression to the mean sportsbook started to get wise to it. And then, you know, the, the trend died, but that's kind of one of the reasons why if I ever get in a position where I get a home underdog, especially a great team, like the white Sox, who I think are going to go deep in the playoffs, I have to take it. It's an auto bet for me. Joe Galantz, FTNbets.com. Follow him on Twitter at GDog5000. Jill, we're going to be bugging you again soon. All right. Sounds good, boys. Good stuff there on the NBA and Major League Baseball. Well, what about the NFL? We've been getting you ready for football every day here on BetQL Daily. We're going to discuss the market of NFL most sacks by team. There's some value on the board, some long, some, uh, long shots that I like. We'll do that next. Joe Ostrowski, Cody Decker. Keep it locked on BetQL Daily from BetQL.